Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being encouraged, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be encouraged in Christ. All right, y'all ready to get started? Yep. Okay, let's let's pray before we do it, okay? God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. I just ask that you would speak through me, God, and help us to receive the word that you have for us. And I, help, I hope that you would help us to have hearts that's ready to receive and um, grow a little bit more tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in week three. Can y'all hear me? Cause I kind of, I, I hear this thing behind me, so I feel like I'm echoing, <laughs> but, um, we are in week three and we're going to be talking about Paul's apostleship and his message. Okay. So because we are going to be covering more, um, verses than what we did last week, instead of going verse by verse, we're going to go paragraph by paragraph, but I will share information about some individual verses. Okay. Today we are going to discuss how the Judaizers, who had come to to Galatia preaching a false um a false gospel saying that you had to be converted into a Jew before you could become a Christian um tried to discredit Paul's message and Paul is going to defend his um apostleship and his message throughout these verses that we're going to cover today okay okay so chapter 1 verses 11 through 14 I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers okay so in verse 11 we talk you know he's saying about his message that he preached so the judaizers were saying that you had to abide by the law and receive faith through jesus christ and paul's message was the only way that you can have salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ, not obedience to the law. Not that the law wasn't important, but that you didn't have, the law was not what saved you, okay? So in verse 12, the Jewish scholars, so anybody like Paul was a um, a Jewish student, okay? They depended heavily on their teachers for authority and for learning. Here, as we go throughout these texts, the Judaizers trying to argue that Paul received his commission or his authority from another Jerusalem teacher, from another apostle versus receiving it directly from God. And Paul is arguing that he had his own unique experience, that he received the message directly from God and that no other apostle gave him authority to preach. Okay, so to prove his message did not come from human reason, Paul describes what he was like before he encountered Christ. Okay, so remember that Paul was a highly successful Jew. He was a Pharisee and teacher of the law. Okay, and he was one of the biggest antagonists toward Jesus Christ and the Christian movement. Okay, so he's explaining that before he encountered Jesus Christ, he was 
one of the most successful or religious Jews of his day and that he was keeping with the law and persecuting Christians, okay? And before his conversion, he was more zealous than the Judaizers, that the people who are coming against him, he's telling them, I was much further ahead of you in being a Jew and being religious than what you are right now. So it was my conversion and my experience with Jesus Christ that changed my message, that changed me as a um, person, okay? So I wanted to remind us here and, and kind of throw this out that Judaism was a religion as well as a nationality, okay? So if you, in order to be a complete Jew or a full Jew, you had to come through the line of Abraham. You had to be a descendant of Abraham. But in um, addition to being a Jew, you could become Jewish in religion if you obeyed the Jewish law and were circumcised, okay? So a Gentile could become a Jew but they weren't fully accepted as if they came from the line of Abraham. Okay. So Jude, I just wanted to put that out there. So when he talked about, he was progressing or he was, um, growing as being a Jew, he was a national, his nationality was Jewish because he was a descendant of Abraham, but he was also a part of the Jewish religion. Okay. Chapter one, verses 15 through 24 here we're going to go through the, the verses and it's talking about when Paul was called by God. So Paul tells of his conversion again to show his message came directly from God. And in his message that we read in Acts chapter nine, remember that he was commissioned to go and bring the message to the Gentiles. So we're going to learn that Peter was commissioned to bring the message to the Jews, to, to go and bring the message to those of his nationality and religion. And then Paul was called to the Gentiles. Here we're going to also talk about how Paul, after he was after his conversion, instead of him going and meeting with the other apostles to learn what they were preaching, he spent three years in Arabia, and that's where God revealed the message to him. So we're kind of going to go through these details verse by verse, or a few verses at a time. Okay, and it all it's reiterating that. Paul was taught by the Lord himself, okay? Paul's message came directly from God, and even though his message was directly from God and he didn't spend time with the apostles, he was in harmony with the disciples. His message was the same as the other apostles, okay? So verse 15 through 16. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. From the beginning, Paul is, Paul is stressing that his ministry came straight from God and God had a plan for him in his mother's womb. He set him apart from the beginning, even though at first he was against Christianity, even though he was an antagonist to the movement, God had a plan for him and set him apart. Can y'all remember another person who said this, who, who Paul is quoting? Do you remember what prophet said this? I'll give you a hint. We just did the study. And uh, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, he stated that God set him apart in his mother's womb to be appointed a prophet to the nation. So Paul is quoting and agreeing with Jeremiah. Verses 17 through 24. 
I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, that is Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God to... Wait, before God, that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilica. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, all, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith. He once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. So one of the things I wanted to point out here is that in verse 17, he mentions that he goes to Arabia. He doesn't mention this any other in any other book of the Bible except for Galatians or any of his other letters. And it is believed that during that three year period that he spent in Arabia without going and talking to any of the other apostles before his missionary journeys. This is the time where God was teaching him and revealing to him um, the God, the good news, the, the message that he preached. OK. In verses 18 through 20, this event where he talks about the three years that he, I'm sorry, the 15 days that he spent with Peter is recorded in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 30. And I want to read those real quick. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had been had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fiercely, fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. When they talk about the Hellenistic Jews, those are Greek-speaking Jews. And in my studies, one of the things that I learned about is that the 15 days that Paul sent with them, remember I said that um, a teacher was heavily dependent on their I mean, a student was heavily dependent on their teacher, like on their mentor. They they copied their message. Well, Paul stressing that he only spent 15 days was showing that it wasn't enough time for him to be dependent on the apostles teaching. He was only able to compare his gospel message to their gospel message, which we're going to see that they later realized was the same message. And then in verse 21, he, he left and went to Syria and Sicilica because of the opposition that he faced and the persecution that he faced that we just read about. In verses 23 through 24, Paul mentions that his conversion was a source of rejoicing. Like the people were excited to learn that Paul had converted over to Christianity and he mentioned that in verse 24, he said, and they praised God because of me. He was making a point to the Galatians that these people who had only heard the message, they had only heard that he was converted. They were rejoicing and praising God for him. Yet when he went to Galatia and they met and the Galatians met Paul and he preached the good news to them in person, they were quick to turn around and go back to the law because of false teaching. When people who had never heard Paul preach believed and thanked God and rejoiced God, rejoiced with God that Paul had been converted. Okay. They didn't doubt his message. So I don't know if y'all can see 
that or if it's really, really tiny. This is just a map, uh, or this is just his journey before his first missionary journey, but before he planted the church in Galatia. So you start down here in one, when he's coming from Jerusalem to Damascus. So remember when he's on his way to Damascus the first time, before his conversion, he was going, he had got permission from the high priest to go and persecute the Christians in Damascus. So on his way to Damascus from Jerusalem the first time is when he had his conversion experience and God blinded him for three days and then he traveled to... Are you thinking of the perfect gift to give your loved one for a special day like Mother's Day, a birthday, or an anniversary? Be Encouraged has options for you. We offer personalized gifts that will last for a year or longer. Order a custom 12-month calendar that can start at any month of the year, a journal, notebook, or planner. These items are uniquely designed to your liking with great detail. Contact Michelle at 225-485-5216 for more information. We look forward to hearing from you. From Damascus back to Jerusalem, I mean Arabia. I'm sorry, from Damascus back to Arabia. Okay. And that's where he spent his three years at in Arabia, where Jesus taught him and gave him the message of the good news. And then after Paul goes back to Damascus, and then he travels and spends. Um, he goes back to Damascus and then he goes back to Jerusalem from Damascus, where they persecute him, and he goes to Caesarea and Cilicia his hometown of Tarsus. I know that's small, but chapter two, his acceptance and opposition. Paul is accepted by the apostles. Um, Paul, during Paul's second visit to Jerusalem, the other apostles affirmed his message. Okay. So verses one through two. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to the revelation and meeting to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So Paul wasn't going because he needed their acceptance or approval. He knew that his message came from the authority of God. God had directly given him this message, but what he did do was that he wanted to make sure that they were, you know, that they were on the same page and pre preaching the same gospel, because if not, it would have ended in a split between the churches. You would have had the Gentile church and then you would have had the Jewish church. So he wanted to make sure that they um, were all on the same page about the gospel that they were preaching. Verses three through five, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. So when Paul took Titus, which was a Greek Christian, to Jerusalem, the Judaizers wanted Titus to be circumcised. They wanted him to be converted to a Jew in order to be a Christian. And Paul refused to give in to their demands, okay? Um, the apostles agreed that the circumcision was unnecessary for Jews to be, um, I mean, for Gentiles to be converted. But several years later, Paul circumcised Timothy. And Timothy was another Greek Christian, but unlike Titus, 
Timothy was half Jewish. So Paul wasn't saying that circumcision wasn't necessary. He wasn't saying that Jews didn't need to be circumcised. He just was saying that you didn't have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. That was that was perverting the gospel to say that you had to obey the law in order to have faith in Christ. Verses 6 through 10. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and to the and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. So again, Paul's message was in harmony with the other apostles, the main, the original 12, and they affirmed Paul. The Jerusalem apostles' reputation was as great leaders because people, the people in that day, they raised, they elevated them because they walked with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus out during his earthly ministry. So they felt like they had a greater um, apostolic authority than what Paul had. Paul was saying what matters most is that God gave him the personal commission to go and bring the message to the Gentiles, okay? In verses seven through nine, the apostles in Jerusalem saw that Paul and Peter had a different scope of ministry, but they both preached the same gospel. They were, they were in harmony with each other. The church leaders, James, the half-brother of Jesus, Peter and John realized that Jesus was using Paul to reach the Gentiles just as Peter was reaching the Jews. And so in verse 10, when it says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. The, the church, the Jewish church, the Jerusalem church was going through a famine in Palestine at the time. Okay, And so they were financially burdened. They were they were going through a difficult time while the gent the Gentile converts were financially comfortable. So what Paul did was collected an offering from the Gentile church in order to support the Jerusalem church. And what this did was just show that the the church body was unified. Okay. So he took the um, money from the the Gentiles as I said because they were doing well and shared it with the Jerusalem church in order to show unity. Um, I want to read to you Romans chapter 15 verses 25 through 27. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings. They owe it to the Jews to share with them material blessings. All right, chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. We're going to start with 11 through 13. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Okay, so now we're getting to the point where um, Paul is calling Peter out for being a hypocrite. Okay, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. 
For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. In Antioch, Peter and the others compromised the good news and and Paul was rebuking him to show, and, and, and in Paul's rebuke of Peter, he was showing that he is independent of the Jerusalem church. His message came directly from God, and he is not conforming and following the um, original 12, okay? So remember that the Judaizers accused Paul of watering down the gospel. He was say, They were saying that he was making it easier for the Gentiles to accept, and Paul was arguing that the Judaizers were nullifying salvation. They were nullifying the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Okay. So he was trying to make sure that they understood that salvation was for the Jews and for the Gentiles alike. And by Peter sitting down with the Judaizers and ignoring the Gentiles, he was going backwards and confirming that what the Judaizers thought or what the Judaizers said was correct. He was confirming their message by ignoring the Gentiles and going and sit with the Judaizers at this meal. Okay. Verses 14 through 21. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live is in the body. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul was calling Peter out because he was saying that you live like a Gentile any other time. You eat with the Gentiles. You do not observe the Jewish law. So by you doing this, you're communicating that the Gentiles are not all Gentiles are on equal terms. When you sit down and you eat with them, they're on equal terms with you and they're saved by the basis of faith. But when you pull away from them, you're contradicting your message. You're saying that they should be observing the dietary laws of the Jews. They should be circumcised. In verses 17 through 21, the false teachers probably claimed that Paul's law was a free good news, like a law-free good news, saying that if you don't obey the law, then you're going to be lawless. You're going to go out and you're going to do all these types of sin. And basically what you're going to say, what they're going to do is say that Christ is giving them permission to sin. And Paul is saying, absolutely not. Once you, give, once you give your life to Christ, once you are in relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit empowers you to live holy. 
He, he, the Holy Spirit lives within you and gives you what you need in order to live a God honoring life. So you, even though you don't have to be obedient to the law in order to be saved, once you have that relationship in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be obedient to the law, to live a holy life. And also in verse 18, he was saying that turning away from faith and going back to the law brings you under the jurisdiction of the law. None of us are able to be fully obedient to the law. So we're going to be judged by that law that we're trying to be obedient to versus receiving the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay. Does that make sense? Got it. All right. So I want to compare, this is the last slide. Okay. I want to compare the message of the Judaizers versus what Paul said. So the Judaizers said that he was perverting the gospel. Paul was making sure that they understood that he received his message from Jesus Christ himself. Okay. The Judaizers said that he was a traitor to the Jewish faith. Paul was making a point that he was one of the most dedicated Jews of his times, yet in the midst of one of his most zealous acts, which he was on his way to go and persecute the Jews in Damascus, God transformed him through a revelation of the good news about Jesus. Okay, The Judaizers said that he compromised and watered down his message for the Gentiles. Paul was saying that the other apostles declared that his message um, was the true gospel. The Judaizers said that he was disregarding the law of Moses. And Paul was saying that he was far from degrading um, the, the law, but he was putting it in its proper place. He was saying that um, the law shows us where we sin. The law shows us that we are not capable of being our own savior and points us back to Christ. Okay, that's it. No homework this week. Unless you did not read Galatians 1, chapters 1 through 6. I mean, Galatians chapters 1 through 6, okay? That's it, though. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.